0: You gave him the measurements, you gave him the skills that he might complete and do according to your will. And Lord, you are still teaching us today as your people. You're teaching us that we might fulfill your will and not our will. You are teaching us, Lord, because you recognize, oh God, that this world really has nothing that will teach us that will really benefit us outside of you, yourself. Yes, Lord, we need the education. We need the knowledge of men. But more so, Lord, we need the knowledge that flows from you. As we sit before you this morning, would you allow your Holy Spirit to minister to us, to educate us, to teach us your word? And that, Lord, We would leave here not with a sense that I have just heard a good sermon, but that my mind's been challenged, my heart's been challenged. I have to really look over my life and examine my life to see if I am walking in the manner in which you would have me to walk. That we would be a people who walk worthy of your calling we would be a people who recognize where our blessings come from. That we would be a people who understand you're not finished with us yet, but you're still molding and shaping us and educating us and teaching us according to your will. Would you allow us to leave here saying, thank you, Lord, for speaking to me. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to me. And may the people, oh God, not hear my voice, but may they hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. May you bless them. May you draw them closer to yourself. May you bring them to a place where they're totally dependent upon you. May you bring them to that place, Lord, that they hunger and thirst for you and you alone. We remember Dwight this morning, asking that you minister to him. We remember Jasper this morning, that you minister to him. We remember Mary this morning, that you minister to him. We pray for Ann and Larry, who you were here, that you, remi- you minister to them. We pray for Ronnie, Lord, asking that, Lord, you remember her, oh God, and touch her, and Father, would you just touch the lives of your people? We are an older group, and we recognize that. But Lord, you're the giver of life. Would you give us life to do your will? Would you give us the strength to do your will? Would you keep us in the soundness of mind to do your will? And may we see the evidence of your hand moving within our midst. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, we're off and running again. The church. The church of Jesus Christ. The church is where we have this great opportunity. What's the opportunity? is having a face-to-face encounter with the Lord. The church is the place where you come into to really meet with the Lord, to hear from him. Not from Sunday school teachers, not from pastors, not from others per se, but you have really come into the church to hear from the Lord. It gives you an opportunity to go word to word with the Lord, to go word for word with the Lord. What do I mean by that? Sometime when we hit a passage, and I remember when I used to sit out there quite often and listen to my pastor, Pastor Valentine, I would get stuck on a passage and me and the Lord would wrestle with that passage. Lord, what are you seeing with this passage? What are you saying with this scripture? Lord, thank you for convicting me over this area of my life that I need to change. Thank you for doing this. And, and it would pause me, even though Pastor Valentine kept going, I wasn't going with him because now somebody else is talking to me and, and, and him and I are in this conversation, word for word. And that... In the church is where the minds are engaged. My mind engages with the mind of God in a sense. But it also engages in the minds of others. Especially in Sunday school. When you have that opportunity to open up and share with each other. And and you never be scared to share in Sunday school. There's not a right or wrong answer all the time. But it's the sharing that is so important that 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 we're learning from each other and and, and understand this in Sunday school or in happy The Holy Spirit's not only using Melvin, he's using a brother Beecher, he's using a brother Fisher, he's using this person or that person he's using and he speaks through us. And don't worry. We know you only pick up the golden nuggets that you want to pick up. (laughs) But yet if it's speaking into your life then the Holy Spirit captures your attention. And he does something in you as we speak to each other. The church is the place where you hear the thoughts of others. And that's good. Now understand this. And I know some people will disagree with this we don't always have to agree on every point (laughs) understand that you don't have to agree with Pastor Brown but when the Holy Spirit speaks to you (laughs) now you really got an issue will you say yes or no (laughs) But in the discussion, in the deliverance, comes the opportunity to be challenged and put your knowledge to use or to grow, to deepen your understanding, to within your knowledge, to add something else to your arsenal that when you go out here and you're talking to somebody, you have something different to say to them. And you can understand because you went home yourself and dug it out. You have some facts now. Don't go on hearsay. Don't go on what Tony Evans says. Now, it's nice to be able to say that and hear and listen to him. Don't go on just what uh, Dr. David Jeremiah said. Go on because you've heard it and went and researched it to see if it be so. And that it challenged your heart. Who may be different or people's thoughts are going to be different than your thoughts and their expressions and their meanings. might be a little different, but don't let that scare you. Don't let that frighten you. Share. In your sharing, the Holy Spirit will speak and make the correction. It's not so much me or Melvin or somebody else who's more knowledgeable than me who will make the correction per se. They add their input, yes. But the one who really makes the correction is the Holy Spirit. Go to Proverbs 27:17. Because this is one of the areas for the church to recognize that we need to practice and we need to do it. In that 2717, he simply says. I'm getting a ringing. Can I turn down just a little bit? If you got them microphones on back there, you won't hear a thing. Mark, because I got this Ekely. Can we turn down just a hear? It says in that verse 17 As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens what? Another. As arm sharpens arm, one man sharpens another. Now we need each other to sharpen each other, to sharpen each other's wit. And hopefully we do that in here before we do it out there. For we get a good solid foundation of understanding what we're talking about in here before we export it out There. It's amazing how many people talk out there but have no foundations for what they're saying or facts of what they're saying. But it's their opinion. Now everybody has an opinion. And the thing is to respect the person's opinion but their opinion may not be factual. Their opinion may not be truthful. It's just their opinion. But when we talk about spiritual things, we need to have a good solid foundation up under us and factual and able to back it up. And he says, boy, we sharpen each other. We're not so much sharpened by the world. We're sharpened by each other. We're educated by one another. We're learning by one another. And then he says, to hear of one being saved, Outside the church, that is a miracle. Now, I want you to follow with me on thought here. When a person is saved outside the church, they don't have all this knowledge of the church. They don't know really the right things to do. So, when they first come into church, they may not be dressed the right way, they may not have the right language. They may not know exactly what to do because today in this generation, there are young people who have never been to church. So they don't know the church lingo. But it's a real miracle today when a child who has been raised in the church really comes to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and are saved because they have all the lingo, they know all the signs, they know how to wave their hand, they know how to do the holy dance, they know how to do this and all the answers to everything, but nothing's really happened on the inside. Now I hate to say, that thing, more and more of that is happening in our churches today. That we have the outer exterior of religion, but not the heart of it. We have the outer words to say and we know enough about John three sixteen and we know that we have to accept the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that we prayed and no matter how I live, but I but I said that prayer, but no matter how I live though, but I said that prayer, yes I can be having an adulterous affair, but I said that prayer, I can be a I I said that prayer, I can be a drug addict, I I said that prayer. In some place, the learning and the teaching of the Holy Spirit has to take place to grow a person, to mature a person. They know all the right stuff. And as Paul said unto Timothy, your grandmother knew your mother knew, and I, in a sense, I'm assuming that you know, but li- listen to what he says. Stir up the fire that's in you. It's in there, but you've got to ignite it now. All that you need is there, Timothy. But you have to set the fire going. And Paul encourages him to stir it up. Now, what causes you to, to come to church? Ask yourself that question. Why are you coming to church? Do you come to church out of duty? Anything you do out of duty eventually is going to wear off. Because at some point you're going to think you've done enough. <laughs> And when you come to the place where you've done enough, you stop. You'll stop. And you're just coming out of duty. Are you coming out of obligation or commitment to a family? The church I was interim pastor down in Tacoma, Georgia, it was 200, 250 people made up of basically five families. (laughs) And when one family warred against another family, it was a mess in the church. (laughs) But many of them was coming out of commitment to a family or obligation to grandma. And don't let it be grandma's birthday. We wouldn't have enough room. Do you come to church on an obligation to somebody else? Or do you come to church trying to reassure yourself that if I die, I'm going to heaven. I'm trying to reassure myself in this relationship because I'm not really sure about my relationship with the Lord. So I'm coming and, and I am just keep on trying to reassure myself that I'm saved. If you're saved, you know that you're saved. And the assurance is the assurance of the Holy Spirit living in you. And your assurance is that your love for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's quite evident that you love him. And in that love, you keep going back. You know what takes me back to 444 South Forest Path? Is a love Not duty, not obligation, not responsibility, but a love relationship that goes on there. Same thing with the Lord. It's a love relationship that brings us back and forth. It's not out of dedication even. Because you can only be dedicated to something till you find a fault in it. And the reason a lot of people are not dedicated to a church because they find fault, where at? In church. And we come up with this stupid statement. I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. If Christ loved his church and gave his life for his church, and set that example for us. What should be ours. That we love his church. And we give our life for it. You have to answer. Why do you come? Let's go to Second Peter chapter 3. I want you to just take a couple of notes as we go through this. And uh, we're going to wind up over in Acts chapter 8. Uh, we're going to look at a man who went to church and what, and what a difference it made. But in three fourteen through 18, I want you to take note of something. He says, so then, and you would have to go back up in and read, which we don't have time to do right now. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless. Make what? Who has that responsibility? You do. You make every effort to be spotless. You make every effort to stay out of sin. You make every effort to do what is right. You make every effort to stay spotless blameless, and at peace with who? With him. You're the one who is seeking to be at peace with Jesus because when you're not at peace with Jesus, I'm going to share something. You're not at peace with anybody. You won't find peace at home. You won't find peace with your husband. You won't find peace with your wife. You won't find peace with your children. You won't find peace on the job. You'll find yourself going from one little crisis to another little crisis to another little turmoil to another little turmoil because you are not at peace with him. And he goes on and he says, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Now, who is he patient with? Me. You. And his patient leads to deliverance from whatever is troubling us. It leads us to salvation. That he rescues us. And he goes on and he says, Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you, with the wisdom that God gave him. Now, you cannot say that Paul was not a wise man according to the flesh. Paul was a very intelligent man. But here the scripture says there was something more added to him. Wisdom that comes from God. Can you use a little wisdom that comes from God? And he says that God gave him. Wisdom that God gave him. Not that Paul already possessed, that Paul already had but an extra measure of wisdom that was not man's wisdom, because man's wisdom is only foolishness before God. But God gave him wisdom. And he goes on, he says, He writes the same way in all his letters. You know, some for next week's sermon, I'm just give you a little intent for next week's learning because next week's sermon is going to be knowledge takes us further than just learning. But he says something right here. His letters speaking in them of their manners. Now, first Corinthians, there's a bunch of questions. So there comes Second Corinthians. First Timothy, a bunch of questions. There comes Second Timothy And you can go on, what Paul's responding to is questions that was asked from his first letter that he wrote, and he's answering or going into a deeper conversation about those things. And, and the whole thing is that First Thessalonians, he's answering also in Second Thessalonians questions. Peter's doing the same thing from 1 Peter to 2 Peter. See, one thing about God's people, they ask questions. Why? They're digging. When you stop asking questions, you're satisfied where you are. Never become satisfied where you are. Always want more of Jesus. Always want more of learning of Jesus. Continue to sharpen yourself in the person of Jesus. And you want more. And then he goes a little further. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand. They're not simple. They're not easily understood. They're difficult. So when I'm reading, yes, I may not understand it all and we're going to look at a passage in that, then we're going to explain some other things with it that's not in that passage, but if you take historical history at the time, put it with it and so forth, it covers a lot of arguments that you would have with some people out here, especially when it comes to the racial issue. But he says there are some things that's hard to understand when they're hard to understand, that means there's got to be some digging going on. There's got to be a lot of reading going on. Oh, you can come up with a very simplified answer and give it. But it may not be exactly what Paul is referring to or the author is referring to. And you've got to dig back in the culture. You've got to dig back into the history. You've got to look at what's going on. And he says, it's hard to understand. Which ignorance and unstable people distort. They can't answer, but they come up with something. They say something. It may not be the truth. But they got a comment about it. As they do the other scriptures to their own, what? Destruction. When you put something in scripture that is not really there or not meant to be said, and you're adding to it from your own thought or experience, you're robbing the truth of scripture. You're distorting that scripture. You want to understand the context first. There's only one interpretation, but there can be many applications. But you want to first try to understand the interpretation in order to make your applications to life. And he goes on and he says, Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard. Be what? Be on your guard. So that you may not be carried away by the errors of man. By the deceitfulness of man. You're the one who has to be on guard. You're the one who got to be watchful of what you're hearing. And what you are hearing, is it based on scripture? Or are you just hearing a good story? Are you just being entertained? Or are you just bored? He's saying everything I agree with, but if he says something I disagree with, I shut him down. And he says, that you may not be carried away by the errors of lawless men, but fall from your secure what? Position. When you hear too much wrong teaching, you're going to fall eventually. When you accept too much wrong teaching, you're going to fall. And he says, listen to 18 now, because this is the whole point that Peter's making. But grow in the grace. Grow how? In the grace of God. You never stop growing. You don't stop growing until you've taken this last breath. You can lay in your bed and learn of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can call somebody on the phone and tell them what you discovered in Scripture. You can tell a grandson, a granddaughter. You can tell somebody else what the Lord has revealed to you and showed you. Now what they do with it is up to them. Your job is to be a witness of what God has revealed to you. And you're able to share that. Yes, we are an older generation, but begin to count your family. Begin to count your children, your grandchildren, their children, their friends. Begin to count the people who you might be able to influence even though you're old. Because you can influence quite a few people he says, grow in the grace. Look at the next word, knowledge. It is God's grace that extends knowledge. Before, in St. John, it says grace then truth. If God was not gracious, we would never know truth. If God was not gracious, we could not grow in knowledge. The grace is just saying is God's favor upon us that we might learn of him. It's by God's grace that I'm able to hear this knowledge. It's by God's grace I'm able to receive it and add it to my faith. It's by God's grace. So you're always usually in faith. You'll find grace before truth. Grace before knowledge. Because it takes God's grace to give light unto you. Because we are a people who love darkness. We are a people, I hate to say it, that love ignorance. We are a people, and you see it more and more today, who don't care nothing about manners. We are a people who don't care nothing about standards or principles or values and it's only by God's favor that these things are added into our life that we might be profitable by them and benefit from them and he says then grow by grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ he wants us to grow why do you want to learn then Why is it that learning is something that should be a high priority for you? It should not be a low priority. If you haven't discovered one thing about me, if you come into my house, in the living room you will find a book at my one chair. Sometime I'm up early in the morning, 4 or 3, and I don't want to bother Elaine. I go out in the living room, and there I'm reading. I got my notepad there. If you go back into and Elaine gets tired of it, because I got books everywhere, and I got my little notepads everywhere, and every now and then she tell clean up, why don't you clean up? Well, everywhere I sit, I want to also be able to read. And I got different books. Sometimes I'll be reading two or three different books at one time, but I'm taking my notepads and so forth. One of the things i challenged myself to do this year is to study black pastors and authors. And that's one of my challenges I'm doing this year, to see the difference sometime in the theological realm or the different tracks that are being followed and so forth, and why this and why that. So my goal this year is to read as many African-American authors as I can over the issue of religion and so forth and the difference in our theology. And I call it sometimes European theology against African American theology, and, I, and I'm trying to understand that difference in there sometimes. But the thing is, is to read, to educate, to learn, and see. Because we don't read today, I have to agree with my aunt. She used to hide her money. How many of you had old, an old aunt or grandma to hide their money in books? And I asked my aunt one day, and Lizzie." Why you put all them $20 bills in between pages in books? She said, if somebody break in, black people don't read books, so they ain't going to touch them. <laughs> but we want to read. We want to open our mind. Now, we're going to look at this person who came to church. Not so much Church to the temple now understand he came a long distance he traveled a distance when you really want to learn there's no distance you won't travel to learn but he wanted to learn he's a very intelligent man so he's not a dumb man He's very intelligent. But because one is intelligent does not mean they understand the ways of God or the things of God. And today we, we, we've mixed that up. If I'm intelligent, I'm intelligent to know there's a creator. The problem is you don't know that creator. You just are intelligent to know there is a creator. But understand this. The creator wants you to know him. Just not to know there is a creator. And therefore. Religion in many ways. Has become something to a lot of very intelligent people. Same as it has become. In the same manner for people. Who are ignorant. Who have not been taught. Or learned. It has no value. It has no meaning. It doesn't really intersect my life. And the problem is, it does, but you don't know it. Because you don't believe in the spiritual world around you. And somehow you got this notion that you have said to yourself, if I'm good enough, God will accept me. And there's a lot of good people who will be in hell. All because they did not accept the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the gentleman that was just killed by that drone, that general over there? Elaine and I we were watching the news and we see all these people. And the thing that came to my mind is this God, are all these people going to hell? If scripture is true, the answer would be yes because of their not acknowledging Jesus Christ. And in our minds, that's hard for us to wrestle with, that God will allow these millions of, most likely just good people go to hell. But I want to remind you something. The gospel was there before it was here. <laughs> They got churches over there are much older than what they are here. And you remember sometime last year they were blowing up a lot of them and destroying them because they did not want the people to know that Christianity was there before Islam. He's a very intelligent man. His goal was to discover truth though. And that's what put him on his journey. He wanted to know truth. No matter who the truth came through. He wanted to know truth. So he may have traveled to a different culture. To a different environment. But he wanted to know truth. When you come to learn. You don't really hear the pastor. Or the Sunday school teacher. Or the voice of others. Your learning moment is when you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's your learning moment. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you. He speaks the words of Jesus into your mind, into your heart. He speaks the words of life into you. For the Spirit is life. He's not a dead letter. He gives life. And Hebrews 4 2, he says, they didn't add faith to what they heard. Go there with me. Just a book or two back from Peter. Peter, James, and Hebrews. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. Because pick this up. Because a lot of us here, listen to what Paul says in that verse two in Hebrews four. "For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did. but the message they heard was of no value to them. Yes, they heard the message. They heard the gospel. But it had no meaning to them. It wasn't relevant to them. It wasn't important to them. It was not something they needed to take time and search out and see if it be true or not. And he says the message they heard was of no avail to them because those who heard did not combine it with faith. Because this book. It's a book of faith. I have never seen God person to person. Now catch me on what I'm going to say. I cannot guarantee you that because what you believe in this book that you will be saved or that there is a God. Now, follow me. 99.9999999, I'll say yes. But even in me, there's that. Because sometimes, boy, when my granddaughter asked me, what happened if it's not true? I haven't gone to the third heaven and come back. I can only tell you the experiences I believe I've had with God. But have I seen him face to face? And the reason I leave that little bit there because that allows you to challenge. I'm not so dogmatic or so Sure, or confident in a sense. And I want you to take my words very lightly here. That God is. But I'm believing this book that God is. I'm trusting this book that is true. I'm relying on what this book has meant to me in my life. And the evidence that has followed in my life because of this book and the transformation that it has made in my life, I'm trusting in. Because I know I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't. But when I add faith to it, yes, 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 yes. And I might be called stupid, dumb, arrogant for having what? Faith. But my faith says yes. Yes. With full confidence. Because of faith. I say yes. And Romans, boy, he tells me God gives all of us a what? A measure of faith. Now, I've got to grow that faith. But he's given me a measure of faith to believe and to trust him. He's given me that measure. Now, the thing is, am I expanding that faith? Am I expanding that relationship? Am I building on that? That's why Peter says, add to your faith. Add to your faith. And then Romans, which a lot of us have forgotten. Faith comes by what? By hearing the word. How many of you have kept yourself away from hearing the word? And when you keep yourself away deliberately from hearing the word, you're stunning your own growth. You're hurting your own spiritual growth. Because you're not being challenged. When you keep yourself out from under the word of God. You hurt yourself. Because you're only going to grow your faith. By being in the book. Learning of the book. Getting understanding of the book. And growing your faith in him. And then he says in Mark 9 24. And this is sometimes where we need to pray. Let's turn to it. Mark 9, 24. This is one of the verses that I pray and I started praying it when I was a young man. And it's important, I believe, to be able to pray it because it's something that says I need help in this area. And it brings me to a point to understand. this is not something I can gunjure up. This is not something I can just make myself believe. But listen to what he says in 24. Well, start out with me in 22, 21, 21. Jesus asked the boy's father, "How long has he been like this From childhood?" he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Catch that. Take pity on us and help us. If you can, and look at listen to that question. If you can, if you can heal Mary, will you do it, Lord? If you can heal Jasper, will you do it, Lord? Now, as I read this book, I drop the can and I just start saying, Lord, would you lift Mary off of her bed of affliction? Would you touch that part of her body? Would you heal that heart, O God? Would you give her strength for another day? Lord, would you touch Jasper? Would you wash him with your blood? Would you cleanse every defilement in his body? Catch the difference in the prayer? That comes because of the book. And then to remind myself and the person who's in heaven, God is the healer of his people. God heals us. I can't demand it. I can't make him to do it. But I trust him to do it. And that comes from the book. So the individual says, if you can, said... Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Now listen to the man in 24. Immediately the boy's father explained, I do believe. Help me overcome my what? My unbelief. In every one of our lives, there's some unbelief. Lord, help me to overcome my what? My unbelief. Help me in this area, Lord. With my unbelief. Help me to step in this. Believing you. Help me to do this. Believing you. Help me to overcome this. Believing you. There's nothing too hard for you to do. But Lord, help my unbelief in believing you will do this. And trust him. Now... Turn to Acts with me and this is where we'll close out in Acts because there's some great lessons here in Acts chapter 8 with the Ethiopian. And remember I told you he was an intelligent man. He traveled afar. But we want to look at this man and we also want to look at a little history part also that oftentimes throw us back. And we need to be able to see it. And take note of something here. He is going to learn from another group of people. Now, if the argument that Jews were black, okay, they were black, but here's a black person from another part of the world. If your argument is that Jews are black, this man's in Ethiopia, he comes to Jerusalem. He's he's coming from a different perspective of life. You cannot tell me that over in Ethiopia, they didn't have places where he could worship. But for some reason, he's traveling from Ethiopia to Jerusalem because he wants to know truth. He wants to discover. And one thing about the temple of Israel, it was known as the house of the one true God. It was the house for all people, not just some people. And this man is traveling. And he wants to know. Is this his first trip? Second trip? Third trip? We don't really know. But he makes this trip. And he wants to discover it. And he wants to learn. Now here's a point that all of us should take home with us. Especially when we're talking to a Muslim. Who want to say, "Well, you're just serving a white God." This black man is traveling from Ethiopia to Jerusalem 500 years before Muhammad was ever born, 600 years before the Koran was ever written. Need to understand that, that this black man is seeking out truth way before Islam was ever thought of and guess what he's not reading the Quran. he's reading the book of Isaiah and he's reading it from the Greek Septuagint and you study when the Greek Septuagint was written Coming out of Babylon. That this man from Ethiopia. Was reading Greek. He was an educated man. He was a knowledgeable man. And he's reading the Septuagint. And he's going to Jerusalem to worship. Now catch this second point centuries before slavery in America ever starts so it's not about a white God it's about knowing God it's about knowing Jesus it's about knowing truth in verse 31 it says the Ethiopian knew what he didn't know You need to really understand that point. That this man knew what he didn't know. Because up in. Up in verse 29. The spirit told Philip. Go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot. And heard the man reading Isaiah. The prophet. Now look what. Question Philip answers. Do you understand? That's a good Sunday school teacher's question, a good pastor's question. Do you understand? Someone who's discipling somebody else, do you understand? Because there's no longer continuing to just keep on teaching and the person's not what? Understanding. The person can't put block A on top of, you know, B on top of A and C. There got to be some understanding in order to build. That's what's wrong with our finances, because people don't really understand what money's for, other than just enjoyment. And, and want to understand why they don't have none. You can enjoy it, and I'll tell you like a older man once told me: you can enjoy it while you're young, and suffer while you're old. Or suffer while you're young enjoy it when you're older <laughs> you're not going to enjoy it all the way through <laughs> and he says do you understand what you are reading now look at 31 the stupidity of people is this is not to ask questions when you don't know but the real stupidity is this: is not to know that you don't know. Is not to know that you don't know. If most people knew how to set a budget and keep it, they would do so. Problem is, they don't know. They think they know, but they don't know. Setting a budget means you're going to be willing to sacrifice and to suffer. You're going to learn how to say no to yourself. You're going to learn how to save for a little bit. You don't know how to. You think you know how, but you don't know how, because every little dime nickel you put in savings, guess what you go get? And he says, How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? Unless somebody sits down here and explain it and open it up for me? I don't know. Now understand, he's an intelligent man. He's an official. He's no dummy. Now it takes an intellect to be able to say and have the knowledge to understand, I don't know. I don't know how to be saved. I'm reading what I'm reading. But I don't know how to really receive this and then act upon it. You can have knowledge of something but never perform it. I was telling Faith last night because she came over and took her mom's blood pressure and so forth. And, And see... Only God knew this plan. She went all the way through nursing until she was doing her clinicals and found out in the surgical room she couldn't be a nurse across all the blood. But God gave her that knowledge to take care of two old people who lived next door. (laughs) And she was sharing with me that I remember all that I was taught and I understand it. (laughs) But really, every day now, she's a school teacher, not a nurse. You can have knowledge and not practicing it. Biblical knowledge is something you want to have, but you also want to put it to use. Because it's valuable in every situation in life if you understand God's plan for your life and what he's doing in you and growing you as a Christian. He'll give you insight and discernment. And as it was said about Paul earlier, he'll give you wisdom. He'll give you knowledge. For he set up. He takes it down. He performs. And he says, this smart man says, how can I know unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up And sit with him. Now he didn't say to Philip. No you white you can't come up in my chair. No you this you can't come up. No you are that you can't come up. The man was seeking knowledge. He wanted to learn. It didn't matter who it was going to come from. He just wanted to learn. And if you're a learner. That's what you desire to do. To learn. It don't matter who you learn accounting from. You want to learn it. It don't matter who you learn music from. You want to learn it. It doesn't matter who you learn to be a physician from. You just want to be a physician. It doesn't matter if you want to be a lawyer. You just want to be a lawyer. It don't matter who you learn it from. He invited him up. Why? This intelligent man Recognized he didn't understand. And he wanted clarity and understanding. Because in his life, catch this. In his life right then, he was stuck. And guess where a lot of people are today? Stuck. Stuck in their own ignorance. Stuck in their own stupidity. Stuck in their own crisis and will not invite other people in to help. The question, who is the prophet now, he says, in verse 34. He says, the eunuch asked Philip. Remember, Philip asked the question. Now the eunuch's asking the question. Who is this prophet talking about? Tell me please. He's reading it but he don't understand. Who is this prophet talking about? Jesus hasn't come yet. When he's reading Isaiah. Philip knows about Jesus who is now come. And the prophecy fulfilled. And he shares with them Then the unit asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And then Philip began with that very passage of scripture. Look where he started at. He started where the man was at. He didn't go off somewhere else. He started right there in the scripture where the man was at to begin to explain to him. But he did not get stuck right there. And the reason you can understand he didn't get stuck right there. Now, explain this to me. This had to be a long conversation. What tells me that? We went from what Isaiah is talking about to the man asking this question Can I be baptized? Baptism isn't mentioned in Isaiah. (laughs) So Philip has explained to him (laughs) from Isaiah through John the Baptist to what baptism means. And when he comes to the water, he's asking Philip, what keeps me from being baptized? (laughs) That tells me it was not a short conversation for Philip to explain about Jesus Christ And the meaning of baptism and following Christ and dying to self, that this man would ask, what keeps me from being baptized? Now, it doesn't give us the whole conversation in there. But boy, when he gets to baptism, that says Philip took him further than just Isaiah 53. It took him further. Than just explaining about Jesus Christ. But he understood at that point. That he needed Jesus as his savior. And to really follow Jesus. He needed to die to himself. And he says I'm ready to die to myself. And be baptized. And follow him. And follow him. Now. Now tell us there was a lot of teaching going on to get from where he was in Isaiah to where the eunuch is asking to be baptized now understand this the reason he's asking is because now he understands remember what he said earlier Unless somebody teach me. let somebody tell me about this. I don't understand it. And Philip brought him from his misunderstanding to his what? Understanding. That's what church does. That's what teaching in church does. It brings us from our misunderstanding to understanding. It brings us from our wrong views and our wrong thinking to having that mind of Christ that we're thinking biblically. We're seeing it biblically. We're understanding it biblically. And we are applying it to our life by faith biblically. In verse 38, something else takes place here. Boy, he ordered the chariot to be stopped. What does that say to you? that somebody else was what? Driving the chariot. I can imagine this official not going to Jerusalem just by himself because he's a very important individual. He had his little escort with him. And he orders the chariot to be stopped. Now everything in a sense, what he's hearing who else is hearing it? Yeah. Now, did he get his knowledge from one of those wise men who may have came, who followed the star and went back and said something about this great king that was born into the Jews? We don't know where he got this desire to come to Jerusalem, but he wanted to learn and he made the effort to come. What is your effort? What are you doing to learn? How far are you traveling? I don't know if he had wife and kids at home, but he left them at home to go what? Learn. He had to take a little time off from his job and go what? Learn. He may have got paid while he was gone. He may not have gotten paid, but he took the effort to go and what? Learn. What is your effort to learn? What are you doing to learn? Learn. Who are you sharpening yourself with to learn? What are you doing to extend your knowledge of your Christian life? What are you doing? Others were hearing and watching. But in 39, something uniquely takes place. But it allows us to know something. In 39, it says, When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. Hey, Lord, no, he, hey, Philip got to hang around this guy to disciple this guy. Philip got to stay around this guy to teach this guy. Philip got to hang around. Who was there from beginning to end? The Holy Spirit. And this man got to travel on to his life. Then it tells us where Philip went back to and got busy in his life. But the Spirit of God went with this man and would teach this man because he recognized this man wanted to what? Learn when the Holy Spirit recognizes that you want to learn he'll be right there with you he'll open your mind he'll show you some things in scripture you would have never thought about he explains it to you as you continue to study the word and it's amazing what begins to happen he puts history with the word. See, I have a chronological Bible up in my office. If you went into that Bible just trying to find Isaiah in the chronological way it is in James or our normal books, you wouldn't find Isaiah. You wouldn't find other books in their chronological order because that Bible is chronological. It takes Isaiah and it divides it up into the historical parts of where Isaiah is speaking at in certain time periods. It does the same thing with other prophetic books and so forth. It takes it. Only the first five books are basically chronological. Then all the rest of them are like history books, so they are speaking at different historical time periods. So it places part of that book in its natural time period that might be in another book. And it's the chronological order, not the chronological order that we find in James and and in a lot of our Bibles. And and that's okay, because they meant for us to be able to read this one book through. But we need to see the time period in which that prophet is also speaking. And the thing is, the Holy Spirit is there with him to teach him. And the Holy Spirit takes Philip onto his next assignment. See that? That the Spirit was involved all the way through. Go to that chariot! He didn't leave Philip there all by himself. That's why Philip was able to take him from Isaiah 53 all the way through baptism. Because it's the Holy Spirit explaining. It. It's the Holy Spirit giving understanding. It's here. Father we just want to thank you for the richness of your word and we pray Father you would open your word to us but more than that Lord as Jesus said to his disciples that he would open their mind would you open our minds that we might receive would we be like Mary and and we sit at your feet, would we desire to know more about you and not be satisfied? Let not our Christianity become something of dullness and a drag to us, but may it be something that excites us. May it be something that burns in us. And would you open our eyes that we might see your hand move in our lives and in the lives of our children? May we see you do things that we would never expect you to do. Would you do it? Because you are a living God. And you are a God who desires your people to know you. To walk with you. And to live out the plan that you have for each one of our lives. Lord, would you do that? And would you challenge us to forsake the things of this world that we might know more about you? And may we prosper because we seek after you. May it be a blessing to our lives because we want to know more of you. May your statutes and your principles and your laws, O oh God, may they be a light unto our path. May they establish us in business. May they establish us in our profession. May they, O oh God, be a blessing to us, how we handle ourselves in everyday life. Lord, would you work? Make your word a foundation to us that we can stand on and not be ashamed. But to know, Lord, your word is a covenant over us. Your word is a blessing to us. Your word protects us. It's a shield for us. Your word advances us in this life. If God before me, can be against me. May we be reminded, O oh God, that we are disciples of Jesus Christ, always learning, and we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.